And welcome into a new episode of American Ag Today, produced by the American Ag Network. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Thanks for joining us here today. Biofuel and farm groups charged the Environmental Protection Agency in its proposed tailpipe emission standards as forcing automakers to produce more electric vehicles while ignoring the clean air benefits of biofuels. The groups argue EPA would create a de facto EV mandate for 2027 and later light and medium-duty vehicles instead of a market-driven, technology-neutral approach. Renewable Fuels Association head Jeff Cooper. They want to get to net zero emissions economy-wide by 2050 or sooner. We think that's probably possible to do, but it's going to require honesty and transparency and scientific robustness in the way we assess emissions. And that's why we think ethanol plays a significant role in helping to drive down emissions from the transportation sector. RFA, Growth Energy, National Corn Growers, and others say two-thirds of new light-duty vehicle sales could be EVs by 2032 based on EPA's own data. Cooper says EPA stacked the deck against biofuels. They're cherry-picking just one source of emissions when they look at electric vehicles. And they look at electric vehicles and say, there's no tailpipe on those vehicles, and therefore there's no emissions. Well, we know that's ridiculous because there are significant emissions associated with the production of electricity. There's emissions associated with the production of the battery and the extraction of the minerals that go into the battery. And EPA is ignoring all of that. The groups covering convenience stores, travel and truck stops and fuel marketers wrote EPA Chief Michael Regan the speed that EPA expects consumers to embrace electric vehicles is a bridge too far. Maybe they're not ready to spend $10,000 more for an electric vehicle than a conventional vehicle. Um, They're not ready to sit and wait for hours for those vehicles to charge if they can find a charging station. So I think EPA's assessment of the consumer and marketplace response to these regulations is divorced from reality. And Cooper says EPA could issue final tailpipe emission standards by the end of the year. Well, on Friday, in a letter submitted by Growth Energy, the nation's largest biofuels trade association, they urged the U.S. Internal Revenue Service, the IRS, to include the U.S. ethanol industry in its efforts to reach the Biden administration's goals for the expanded use of sustainable aviation fuel. Specifically, the administration's SAF Grand Challenge pledges to reach 3 billion gallons of SAF production per year by 2030 and 35 billion gallons per year by 2050. Growth Energy said in their letter, quote, to meet these goals, it will be necessary to harness the U.S. ethanol industry, which at 17.4 billion gallons per year accounts for over 80 percent of biofuels production capacity in the U.S., Ethanol is one of the few readily available feedstocks for SAF production that can be utilized in the aviation sector if the proper economic conditions are in place and if life cycle analysis of greenhouse gas emissions associated with ethanol to jet SAF is conducted properly, end quote. Now, under the Inflation Reduction Act, IRS is responsible for the implementation of the bill's SAF tax credits, including in sections 40B and 45Z. How large these incentives are and who is eligible to receive them will be determined by what life cycle analysis model IRS chooses to use in its assessments of potential SAF sources and feedstocks. Now, in its letter, Growth Energy called on the IRS to rely on the best available science to accurately account for the emissions profile of biofuels in particular by using the greenhouse gases, regulated emissions, and energy use in technologies model, or the GREEP model, developed by the Department of Energy's Argonne National Laboratory. 
Now, the letter also highlighted the increasing efficiency of the U.S. biofuel sector and outlined the reasons why other LCA models aren't as accurate as the GREET model. Well, farmers and ranchers are slightly more optimistic that Congress will get a new farm bill passed this year. However, reports from successful farming say they don't think the farm bill will get used to overturn California's Prop 12 animal welfare law. The pork industry is looking for a legislative way to override the requirement after losing a Supreme Court challenge. About 36% of the farmers surveyed in the Purdue University CME Group's Ag Economy Barometer say it's not likely that Congress will overturn Prop 12 in the new farm bill, while 40% say they are uncertain about the prospects of a legislative fix. One-fourth of the farmers in the most recent Purdue survey say it's at least somewhat likely that Congress will take on Proposition 12 in the new Farm Bill legislation. In contrast, only 37% of farmers say it's still likely a Farm Bill will get put into law this year. Well, last year saw a 40% increase in the number of injuries and fatalities in confined spaces across agriculture. Purdue University released its 2022 summary of accidents involving agricultural confined space-related injuries and deaths. The summary reported 83 cases, 24 of which were fatal, and 59 non-fatal cases involving agricultural confined spaces. That's almost a 41% increase over the 59 cases in 2021. These numbers are approximate. As a study, authors realize not every case gets reported. Additionally, the 42 grain-related entrapments represented a 45% increase over 2021. Of the 41 non-grain-related cases, incidents included livestock waste handling facilities, entanglements inside confined spaces, falls from confined space structures, and grain dust explosions or fires. Edward Sheldon of Purdue's Agricultural Safety and Health Program says confined space incidents continue to result in a significant number of injuries and fatalities. Sheldon says, quote, use best management practices to keep yourself and employees safe, end quote. And finally, here on American Ag Today, India recently removed retaliatory tariffs on select U.S. agricultural products. Dave Salmonson, American Farm Bureau Federation Senior Government Affairs Director, explains. India has recently removed 20% retaliatory tariffs, and this will happen after 90 days on a variety of U.S. ag products. These include apples, walnuts, almonds, chickpeas, and lentils. So India and the U.S. managed to resolve several trade disputes between them at the World Trade Organization. The retaliatory tariffs were in response to U.S. tariffs in 2018. The Trump administration put tariffs on a variety of countries from which the U.S. was importing steel and aluminum, accusing them of dumping steel at below prices. So India, as did many other countries, responded by placing retaliatory tariffs on a variety of products. And India also included several ag products. While the tariff removal is welcomed, Salmonson adds more work is needed. This, again, only is about their retaliatory tariffs. India continues with fairly large average agricultural tariffs. They average over 30%, some much higher. Now, we do export about $2.4 billion a year of ag products to India, our 13th largest trading partner. And I think with some work, we definitely can expand the amount of products that we send to that large nation. And again, that is comments from Dave Salmonson, the American Farm Bureau Federation Senior Government Affairs Director, talking about the recent removal from India of tariffs on select U.S. agricultural products. Definitely a major market there in Asia that we need to have open to U.S. ag products. 
Well, that is going to do it for this episode of American Ag Today. Thank you, as always, for joining us and making us part of your day. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Have a great one. We will talk to you tomorrow.